part of the Press Play Podcast Network. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Hey, what's good, everyone? Welcome to Cavs on the Brink, and NBA podcast. John Sam alongside editor and owner and establisher of great NBA content of HoopsWire.com, Sam Amico. Sam, what's good, man? John, how you doing? I'm covered in snow. Other than that, it's great. Hey, man, I hear that's snowing up in Cleveland. I'm, I'm counting down my days here, a couple weeks until I'm moving back. I'm still down here in sunny Florida, so hopefully that will all be melted by the time I come up. Yeah, I was going to say, it's good that you didn't move today. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, thanks for uh, tuning in and listening to this episode of Cavs on the Break and NBA podcast, all part of the Press Play Podcast Network. If you are new to this pod or a recurring listener, we appreciate you for your listenership. We've got a lot of Cavs content for you guys today. Um, real quick, just want to give you guys um, how to get and connect with us here. Uh, you can always follow Sam at Amico Hoops on Twitter. You can follow me, John underscore Sable, and you can follow the pod at Cavs on the Break, all on Twitter. And of course, you can read Sam's good stuff there at hoopswire.com. Well, as we record this here on January 17th, it is Tuesday, no, excuse me, Monday, Martin Luther King Day. Cavs playing a little matinee affair at the uh, Romo Fijo and took care of business against the. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets uh, in commanding fashion, Cavs winning. Well, I shouldn't say commanding fashion. It, it was a close game throughout the entire uh, you know contest, but they closed it out is what I wanted to say. Cavs win 114-107, now 27-18 and 18 on the year. Sam, uh, man, I know the Nets were without Kevin Durant with the sprained MCL, but they had Kyrie and they had James Harden, but guess what? Still not enough for our boys in the wine and gold. Yeah, and the, you know the Nets are also a veteran team. Lamarcus Aldridge had a nice game. They're a team with size uh, that can match the Cavs in terms of size. So you throw in two All-Star, you know, future Hall of Fame point guards. They're still a darn good team. Um, and I just, I, 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 as usual, you had to like the Cavs' resiliency. You had to like that Darius Garland was, um, you know looking like an all-star like he has all season, but particularly these last three games, he's, he's been fantastic. So um, again, more balance from the Cavs. You know, you look at the lineup, the guys in double figures, the guys making contributions who didn't score in double figures and just the way that they are winning these close games. You know, last year they were, when they were in close games and everybody was healthy, they would still lose. Uh, this year, they are finding ways to win these games. They have great belief in themselves. And um, the win over the Nets was just another example of that. It was just another example of this team growing up before our eyes and being able to sustain, you know, what they started very early in the season is a very cool, good thing of having a lot of fight, a lot of belief in themselves, mm -hmm. and obviously, and most importantly, a lot of rising talent. Well, and that talent is something that I know opposing teams are looking at right now because 
that could be interesting pieces for Cavs, you know, making trades. And we're going to get to that in a little bit here on the, on this episode. But what, what I also want to talk about, you brought up Darius Garland and his, his performance today. I wanted to throw something out, a stat that I think was interesting. He has 30 assists in his last two games, joining LeBron as the only Cavs players with 30 assists in a two game span over the last 20 seasons. If this kid doesn't make the all-star game, the all-star team, it, the, the game is a sham. I mean, it's, it's garbage if that doesn't happen. I mean, he needs to be there. Is he it, like, how is he not getting enough recognition nationally, Sam? Um, you know, I mean, part of that is because he's, you know, he doesn't have that huge name like a Kyrie Irving um, or obviously LeBron James or even a Giannis Antetokounmpo or, um, you know, some of these other guys, Steph Curry. Part of that is because this Cavs team, while undergoing a resurgence, is still new to everybody. And, and, and when I say everybody at, at this point, I'm saying fans probably outside of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. They probably have a minimal interest in, in, in kind of seeing, hey, the Cavs are doing this or that, but they're probably not following them as closely individually. And right now, as we've seen, uh, the voting so far is all been done by fans, the, the voting for the all-star game. I don't think there's any way that Darius Garland is not in that game. I really don't. I, I, I agree game, too. They'll get him in on. games in Cleveland. You know, he's really kind of emerged as their best all around player at this point in his career. And at this point in the, the team success, you know, maybe someday Evan Mobley will be their best player. But Darius Garland right now uh, has has been their best player, really. And you think about this, John, he is doing all this without Colin Sexton, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, so he because before this season, Colin Sexton was more or less the face of the franchise during his run. Well, now that he's out, Darius Garland has really taken over uh, as the face of the franchise. And that seems to be growing you know, game by game, month by month. And um, that my question is, a bigger question to me is, is Jared Allen going to get in too? I, th- I think Garland's in. Mm-hmm. The question is, is there going to be a spot for, for Jared Allen? And right now I would say yes, but, you know, that's, uh, that's going to be contingent a lot on the rest of the votes. Yeah, I think both guys do end up getting in. Um, I, I mean, I think Garland will probably get the nod for, I mean, has a, probably has a better chance, you know, as a reserve. I don't think you're going to get those guys in as, as starters, but I mean, it's an all-star game. It doesn't really make a difference, but I mean, if they both don't go in or if Garland, not, not one Cavalier in the all-star game in Cleveland, then, that's, a, then, that's a problem. Well, They're going to get, they have to put someone local in there. Yeah. Well, right. And, and, and then, you, you know, everybody says, well, the all-star games for the fans and they, they need to, you know, be heard and all that. Well, you know, and I, I agree with that to a point, but I also think that you have to make sure that the guys who, who are worthy of getting in there mm-hmm. and, and warrant getting in the game, get in over people who shouldn't probably aren't having an all-star type season. But that said, it usually works out so that everybody who's deserving to go uh, gets in. You know, I know we've had situations before where Damian Lillard, you know, didn't get in, even though he had a real deserving year. Bradley Beal before a couple of years ago. 
So it can happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I think with the Cavs being a team on the rise that enough people appreciate them that they'll get at least one, maybe two. Well, and think about this. Yes, the Nets were without Kevin Durant. He's out for a little while with that sprained MCL. I mean, that opens kind of a bigger door f- for both of Dar- Garland or Allen to get in the All-Star team. Sure. If you think yeah. about that. Yeah, you're uh, going to have injuries and stuff like that sure. that will impact it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as for today's game, I mean, this it was nice to see a little ba- – they've been having balanced scoring for a while now. The Cavs are – seem like they're averaging like in, in the last seven games at least four players in double figures and points, which has been pretty impressive. But it's nice to see, you know, guys like Windler contributing, you know, in, in 16 minutes with nine points today. It's nice to see like, you know – Chetty uh, is continuing to have a, a solid season, but contributing a little bit as well. And marketing too, dropping 14 points because he's been a little spotty at times too. Uh, and then Okoro's offensive game, and we've talked about it on, in previous episodes, is it, starting to come along. I know with the hamstring injury kind of hurt his development a little bit and trying to get back in the swing of things, but you're starting to see some of these guys in, in the depth in it where this has been lacking with the injuries to Ricky Rubio and Colin Sexton, you're starting to see guys start playing the little more consistent of late, which is obviously only a good thing and a better thing down the road for the Cavs. Yeah. And I, I think some of that, you can't help, but give the credit for that to JB Bickerstaff and keeping players who are maybe down and out a little bit or haven't been playing as well from time to time or as consistent, um, to getting them, getting them, you know, showing that he keeps believing in them. Um, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of Okoro, who, in his defense, has had some, you know, he's was in the protocol. He had the elbow issue. He had an injury earlier this season. He struggled to get into any kind of rhythm because of that. I thought yeah. he was excellent against the Nets. You I, know, yeah, I thought uh, so too. One of his better games and. Really, you don't need a second-year player like Isaac Okoro to be your guy. You don't need him to be a stud. You just need to get out of him what you're getting right now, and that's every three or four games make an impact offensively so that the opposing team has to respect you. Like, hey, this guy can go off a little bit. You know, Keep doing what he's doing defensively. Continue to grow in that area and um, contribute. You know, There were too many times during his rookie season where he was just kind of out there and he can get caught up in that where it's like, I'm just the, you know, we have to play five guys. I'm number five. I'm just kind of out here hanging around, not really doing much this year. He's gotten out of that kind of, you know, I'm just along for the ride kind of mentality, it seems, or approach to the game. So, um, and the other guy I'm thinking of is Windler, who I thought had a nice game against the Nets too. Um, just hasn't been able to get into any, you know, injuries, um, inconsistent minutes, wildly inconsistent play, not, you know, hasn't been as impactful as the Cavs were hoping, obviously, when they drafted him. But I like that those guys, and then, of course, Lamar Stevens, obviously was fantastic, yeah. uh, didn't play against the Nets, but was fantastic on that West Coast or the, the six-game swing. Um I think that those type of guys, the more that they, at least if you get one of those three or better yet, two of those three to make those kind of contributions that maybe you weren't really expecting, um, this season's going to continue as it is, as long as the Garlands and the Mobleys and the Jared Allens and, you know, 
to a lesser degree, the Markinens of love keep yeah. doing what they're doing. If you can get the eighth, ninth man to to really contribute, and I, I think Jetty, you know, he's he's been a little up and down, obviously, and that's okay. That's that's what you expect from your eighth man. But I think he's been more up this year. I think that this has been a really good situation for him. And, uh, you know, at the end of last year, I was ready to – the Cavs need to trade Jetty Ozzie. Yeah, you know? I, I was but too. This year I think he's he's doing what you want out of a guy who's who's the eighth guy. You know, your eighth, seventh, eighth man, whatever. And there are nights he'll have big nights. So mm-hmm. I really give a lot of credit to J.B. Bickerstaff for – just everybody really believing. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I've covered the Cavs since, what, 2007. I don't know that I've seen. In fact, I'm pretty sure I haven't. And, you know, even that team that won the title, there were dramas and that kind of stuff. I haven't seen a team this tight knit and having this much fun since I've been covering them. I'm in year number 15 now, you wow. know, and, and, and I have not this team to me just seems like they bringing a lot of joy to the court. It's like, they can't wait to play. They believe they're going to win. Very Um, selfless team. Very selfless. It's, it's, it's been great to see. It really has because yeah, just everybody gets along and that's, that's kind of a rarity, you know, in pro sports. You know, it's funny, Sam, in the last probably three or four episodes that you and I have recorded, we always seem to come back to the old Cavs. And I'm not talking LeBron first or second stint. I'm talking right. the Mark Price teams of the late 80s, early 90s. It, it, there's always a point that somehow you and I always circle back to the old days, right? But there is similarities with those teams and this team when it comes to, and, and we've talked in extent and length of style of play with certain players, but we haven't really talked about the chemistry aspect of this team, like the, those previous Cavs teams. I mean, they're, it's very similar. They all get along great. There was never drama in those early Cavs teams there. There's no drama here. They, they genuinely seem like they like each other. Uh, You know, it's, it's very refreshing to see, especially in the NBA where, it's, you know, a lot, there is a lot of drama a lot of times, obviously. And, and especially in the LeBron years too, you know, one of the cons with the those Cavs teams, and it's not necessarily an indictment on, on LeBron, but it was just because he was the greatest player on the planet playing at the time. Uh, I still think he's the goat. I know you do too, but uh, it brought a lot of tension. And then you had other little things there too, that weren't necessarily in his control. So it is great to see that a young team like this, one of the youngest teams in the league, can continue to grow in wins and production, but in in relationship and camaraderie. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that's good about them not having a super duper star is those those things that came with LeBron, those negative things that came because of him, not not it wasn't his fault necessarily, but you know, there's just more attention on you. You're under the microscope all the time. And that can wear on you when you have a guy like LeBron James, the media, um, the fans, everybody all the time is all up in your face. And that's what I mean by the things that LeBron brought. This team doesn't have that. They don't have to worry about that. They don't have a super duper star, much like those teams that you mentioned with the Cavs of the eighties and nineties, they had, a couple of all-stars, obviously Mark Price and Brad Doherty were the regular all-stars uh, during that era. 
this area, you have a Mark Price-like guard. In Garland. Producing in Garland. And then, you know, Jared Allen's kind of your Doherty. And you've got, you've got Mobley, who's developing into your Larry Nance, you know. So, and, and then the pieces around them fit. But those Cavs teams were very balanced, um, very unselfish, and uh, just played with a lot of poise. Yeah. You know, and this team already, for as young as it is, is already playing uh, with a lot of poise. I, I will say, you know, when the Cavs team of 88, 89 was pretty magical, went on their magical run that year, they had Ron Harper. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that these Cavs right mm. now with Colin Sexton down have a Ron Harper. Mm. But, um, you know, that's neither here nor there because it doesn't matter. Right now they are overachieving. They're the Other than maybe the Memphis Grizzlies, they're the biggest surprise of the early NBA. Well, we're at the midpoint, so not even early. The midway yeah. point of the NBA season, the Cavaliers are one of the top two biggest surprises, pleasant surprises of the, of the NBA. I'm just curious, would you peg Colin Sexton as this team's Ron Harper if he was healthy? Would he be that Ron Harper? Would he be that guy? Um, I mean, obviously not height wise because Ron Harper was what six five. Ron Harper was six six. Six six, yeah, yeah. So, um, and and probably more athletic. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, Harper during that era was everybody's poor man's Michael Jordan. Yeah, you know, he he was he was a fantastic athlete, and uh, but I, I I think that the one thing bad about Sexton's injury. The biggest thing is you don't get to see how he fits in with this team long term. I'm not saying that he might not, but that's that's the truth. He he might not. I don't know. I did like what I saw from him in the eight games that he was able to play, which was he fit in very very well. You know, he he's his scoring average had dropped by eight points, and that's not an indictment of him. That's that's a credit to him because he was playing within the team concept, which a lot of people were kind of like, well, he's just got to be a volume scorer. He, he proved in eight games. That's not the case. He, he fit in. So um, what happens with Sexton next is a complete mystery. I know know, it really is, man. It it really is. Um, He's, he's on a lot of teams. You know, I don't know that the Cavs have made him available, but he is on a lot of teams' radar as a guy who this team's doing so well without him. They need backcourt scoring now. They need help. They lost six, 16 points a game with Colin Sexton going down. They lost nearly another 14 points a game with Ricky Rubio going down. They need those points. Now, maybe Okoro, Windler, and, you know, Chetty can help kind of combine to, to make up for that. Um, but the bottom line is these Cavs are determined to make the playoffs. They're not looking for another lottery pick. No, at this point of the season, if you get another, and I've seen fans say, do not trade your first round pick. And I'm like, why? It's probably going to be like 17, Um, 18 or 19. So exactly. You don't need (laughs) that. If you, if you can trade that pick with Colin Sexton, I'm not saying it has to be Colin Sexton. But if you can trade that pick with one of your players, whether it's Sexton, Okoro, Rubio's contract, or Rubio, or uh, uh, Okoro, 
then you have to think about that. I would probably right now be less prone to trade Isaac Okoro than I would Sexton. Oh, I agree. Because Okoro is helping you right now. And guess what? These calves are all about right now. They have the guys that are going to be here in the future in Garland, Mm -hmm. Mobley, Allen, Markinen. So the future is here, right? Yeah. yeah. And and the other thing to your point, Sam, and we'll we'll talk more about the trade rumors and potential fits here in in a moment, but the other issue with the potentially dealing a core, which could or could not happen or may or may not happen, excuse me, is that he is one of the best defensive players on the team outside of, you know, Mobley and Allen, obviously, because they're the taller guys, but like on the perimeter, on the wing, I mean, yeah, he, he is and his offensive game is starting to come around. Obviously we mentioned a little bit of that, but like his first bread and butter is his defense. And that's the biggest thing the Cavs wanted when they drafted him. And, yeah. you know, the, the big player comp was coming into the draft last year or two years ago now was Andre Iguodala. They mm-hmm. said he has an Andre Iguodala style if he can start to score. And obviously we're not there yet, but he already has a defense pretty much locked in there. He's one of the best wing defenders in the league. And he's yeah. in the only year two, he's 20 years old. He does remind me now of kind of like a, a poor man's Iguodala. When you talk about Iguodala in the prime of his career, uh, Coro does not going to score as much as him, but he's got that same style of game. And I, I, I mean, it's a style that wins, you know, and if he can, I think against the Nets, what he had, he had 14 points against the Nets. If he can regularly get you again, you don't need 20 points from Isaac Okoro, but if you can get 14, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to 17, and you know, you're getting even 12 to 17 points a game from him, that really makes him that much more valuable. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, in, in terms of if he's, you know, if he's scoring like four to 10, well, then you can't justify having him out there for long stretches if that's only if that's his scoring ceiling, um, because he's not, you know, he's not a guy who's going to facilitate offense for others um, very often. That's not his that's not his job. Yep. He's not going to grab a ton of rebounds. He's not going to block shots. He's, he's a good enough defender, but you need those. Sure. You're going to need on this version of the Cavs without Colin Sexton, you are going to need somebody to score in that 14 to 20 point range. And if not score, actually score to have that ability so that the other teams respect that guy takes pressure off of Garland, takes some defensive pressure off Garland and, and double teams and that stuff off Garland and, and opens things up for the big guys. Um, and maybe Okoro can develop into that player. But right now, I'm not right now. I am not ready to write off anything involving the Cavs. I did that during the off season. Yeah, I did I'm too. Glad I was wrong. And <laughs> I, I'm hoping, and, and the way that this team is making its strides, um, Maybe Okoro can become that guy. I don't know if the Cavs want to wait around and find out. You mm. know, maybe they don't. Maybe they feel like we can get a guy that we know right now, if we get, you know, is going to put us in position to have home court advantage in a first round series and grow with these young guys and be an even better fit. Well, they may move Sexton, they may, may move Okoro, and, you know, they would do that. Not. You know, you, you, uh, you know, general manager co- or sorry, president of operations, basketball operations, Kobe Altman isn't a fan. 
you know, he's going to do what he has to do, even if it hurts a little, to trade somebody that, that the fans like and that he likes in order to make the team what he conceives and believes will be better. Uh, then he's going to make that move regardless of emotion. There's, you know, there's, of course, there's always attachment with players on the team if you're a GM. But the bottom line is you want to make the team as good as it can be as soon as possible. And if he has to make a move to do that, he, he most certainly will. Isaac Okoro had actually 15 points today against the Nets. 15. Sure. 15. Yeah. But here's an interesting little um, game log uh, quirk to his scoring the last month or so. There's a stretch of a seven-game stretch in middle of at the end of the year in December where Okoro where had uh, six six games out of the last seven of the month of December where he scored in double figures, you know, and those and that, and those were games where he's getting on average about 25 minutes a game. Uh, you know, the last four games of this new year, Indiana, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and Brooklyn, his minutes have been all over the place. And, yeah. you know, obviously, yeah, you play more, you're going to score more, right? And I know they were limiting his minutes with his hamstring injury early on, um, but it's if he's getting the opportunity and he's averaging, you know, uh, a decent amount of, um, you know, time on the court and he's averaging, what, about um, four four field goal per- – or what is it? I'm looking here. Eight, eight and a half uh, shots – from the field, a game, yeah, right, seven, eight, whatever. I mean, like he's going to yeah. fill it up if he, if he if he can get the time on the court. Which, if he's healthy, I don't see why his offensive game can't really start to jumpstart here if he can stay healthy yeah. and get those minutes. Yeah, well, one of the things too is, you know, you factor in that Lamar Stevens played so well. Obviously, Lamar Stevens is more like a utility man, sure. cleanup cleanup man who's going to get his points a lot that way. Um, But he's been producing offensively. So that's going to cut into when they're both, when they're both healthy and available, that's going to cut into some of Okoro's time. Good point. Yeah. um, And that's okay. You know what you're playing right now, if you're the Cavs, you're playing well enough right now that you don't need to feel pressured to make any sort of move. You know, there are guys available, however, that would, that, understandably intrigued them. Buddy Heald, that's an intriguing guy to add to a team like this as long as you don't have to mortgage the farm, and apparently you don't. Or or Karis LeVert, and like you said, we'll get into some of that later, but the bottom line is right now things are going just fine. They're going swimmingly, so you're less tempted to mess with anything. You know what? Let's get into that potential trade pieces for the Cavs coming up here. Um, right after this break, because there's a couple of guys that we have talked about in previous episodes, Sam, that are still available that are rumors, you know, swirling that they could be, well, they're on the block, whether the Cavs actually make a move, you know, we'll see. But there's one guy in particular that I saw something on Twitter today from uh, a national writer who we all know, and everyone listening here knows who he is, that threw out a name, and I didn't even think of it, and it intrigued me. So, and it fits money and style. So we'll get into all that and who we're talking about coming up right after the break. You're listening to Cavs on the break and NBA podcast. We'll be right back.
Hey, I'm Jason. And I'm Gary. And, and we, we love ball cards. And if you love ball cards too, good news. You just found your new favorite podcast. From breaks to grading. And from collecting to flipping, join us on the Ball Card Show. The sports podcast for the sports collector. The R&R Podcast going to be rocking and rolling with you because football season is underway. College, Ohio State, the Power Fives, the Mac, the Browns. Michael Regai, are you ready to rock and roll with some football? Kenny, I've been ready. This is our time of year. This is what R&R is all about. We're going to be with you every week. Kenny just said it, Browns, NFL, Ohio State-centric. So you got to stay with us all fall and winter long here on R&R. That's right, the Reg Eye and Rhoda podcast coming to you here on the Press Play Podcast Network. Subscribe now and don't miss a show. Looking for new insights on the Cleveland sports scene with a unique side of Cleveland sports history? Then you found the perfect podcast. I'm John Sable. And I'm Scott Sable, and we're hosts of the Sable Brothers on the Baseline podcast, a podcast about Cleveland sports, but not your typical podcast about the land's sports teams. Join us as we embark on a journey of sharing a unique and historical side of Cleveland sports history with the help of some former Cleveland sports stars and other historical figures. All right here on the Sable Brothers on the Baseline podcast, part of the Press Play Podcast Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Cavs on the Break and NBA podcast. John Sable alongside Hoops Wire's Sam Amico. You can follow us at Amico Hoops. That's Sam on Twitter. You can follow me at John underscore Sable on Twitter. And you can follow the pod at Cavs on the Break. All right. We kind of alluded to some potential pieces, Sam, in the first half of this pod about uh, who the Cavs could potentially go after when it comes to this trade deadline coming up here on February 10th. We're three and a half weeks away. Cavs definitely going to be buyers here with them being now, uh, what, a game and a half back of first place, is it now, in the in the standings, which is pretty unbelievable if you think about it. They're a game and a half out of first place, fourth place in the entire Eastern Conference right now at 27 and 18. Uh, you mentioned Karis LeVert of Indiana. Uh, you mentioned Buddy Heald of Sacramento Um before we went to the the break, we've mentioned him, those both those guys in previous episodes. Here's one for you that I had not thought of, but Bill Simmons has. He tweeted today um, a trade scenario, like we all like to tweet and talk about hypothetical trade scenarios, to deal Rubio's contract and or Sexton which if this were to happen, I think you'd have to do that. And um, maybe maybe draft picks for Houston's Eric Gordon. Now, the money, I think, add up. Yeah. But you're giving up two injured guys and maybe, I mean, this is, who knows? Would this really ha- actually happen? I mean, Houston's absolutely horrible. We, know, we all know that. Um, I think Eric Gordon's obviously passes prime. He's 33, but he's having a great year, career high and shooting uh, from the field and three point range. Um, he, he's been hurt in the last couple of years. So, you know, th- he's got playoff caliber experience. This guy's been around the block. Uh, I know the Cavs looked at him years ago when LeBron was here both times. Now you're looking at a potential piece where I think you're getting your another scoring depth. And you're also getting somebody in uh, 
experience wise and uh, you know, someone that can really help. I think, what do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, the one thing I do like about Eric Gordon, obviously he's in a situation where he is playing with a bunch of young guys. He's backing up Kevin Porter jr. And, and Jalen green. Um, and he's still playing super hard. You know, that's a rebuilding situation, mm-hmm. which is not an ideal situation for a guy like Eric Gordon, who's, you know, on the back nine of his career. But I like how he's approached it very professionally, very positively, um, and has continued to be a fit in a situation where it's like, look, we need a veteran player to be a fit to help guide these young guys and produce. And he's done it. And um, I, I, I hadn't really thought much of Eric Gordon either. And I think part of that is because of his age. Mm-hmm. I would be a little hesitant to give up Sexton in a deal like that because, again, you're talking about a guy who's 33 um, who really is kind of a stopgap. But at the same time, he could be here for another two or three years. Eric Gordon could in that kind of deal and, you know, be contributing. I could understand giving up Rubio's contract as part of the deal. I'm not as glued to Ricky Rubio as a lot of, you know, I get the sense that my fans are. If you're a fan or you're the Cavs, you obviously greatly appreciate what he, what he did here when healthy. You greatly appreciate uh, the fact that he came in and, and helped this team and helped them get to the point where they are now and really was great with the young guys. Um, but, you know, you're talking about a guy who's who's also going to be on the back nine, suppose, presumably because of his age. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent during the offseason. And, uh, you know, he's not going to help you win any games right now. And if you're the Cavs, that's the idea, is to keep a good thing going and to keep winning right now. And Sometimes you got to let go of the emotional part to make that happen. I'd be okay with doing that for Eric Gordon, but I I don't think I'd want to include Sexton in that deal. If you could find another way to make the salaries match without giving them Sexton, of course, maybe, you know, the Rockets, they want to, if they want to trade, if they're going to trade Eric Gordon, they're going to want a young player in return. So um, that might be kind of tough, tougher deal for, for the, for the Cavs to pull off. However, you're also wondering, is Sexton a long-term fit anyway? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot for, for Kobe Altman to consider, you know, between now and the trade deadline on February 10th. And I'm sure that I'm sure that they'll explore if they haven't already something involving Eric Gordon. Gordon is on the books for 18 million this season, owed 19 and a half next year, and has a non-guaranteed contract of 20, almost 21 million for 2023, 2024 season. So this move would clearly be a move. Well, I would say you're glued to him for at least two years, but that at that time he's going to be 35 and then you're not going to, whatever, what, what other team or whatever team that he's with, Probably not going to, you know, pick up that option at twenty million dollars or twenty one million dollars for that twenty twenty three. Thirty five years old. No way. Absolutely not. Um, You know, I don't think a Sexton. I I, I agree with you, Sam. I don't know if you would like to give up a young player like that for a guy that that old, um, regardless if he fits in or regardless of his his um, you know health situation, if you will. But um, 
I, I still think, and you've nailed this, um, nailed this home the last couple episodes that we've recorded over the last month and a half is, is Indiana's Karis Levert. I mean, I, I still think, you know, that that's a perfect fit. I've heard, and I don't know if you've heard this too, maybe you could back it up here, but uh, Pacers want at least a first round pick for him. Cavs could yeah. definitely trade him, trade that pick for him. You know, if you're looking at trying to get anything else um, or if they want anybody else, I mean, the Cavs conceivably trade Shetty Osmond or Dylan Windler as well. And then, of course, Okoro. And then, then you don't trade Sexton potentially. But beyond Levert, maybe Eric Gordon uh, and Buddy Heald, are there any other names that you can think of out there or have you heard of anything that could tie Cleveland with a, a you know, potential piece in a trade? Yeah. The only, uh, and I've mentioned him before. The only other guy that I've heard is Terrence Ross with the magic mm-hmm. um, veteran player, obviously um, a veteran player in a rebuilding situation. Those guys are typically available. <clears throat> and I like him only because He's a guy who's accustomed to coming off the bench and scoring 15 points. And he's going to get you 15 points. He's a good perimeter shooter. And he comes off the bench. He never complains. He's always fit in well in Orlando in terms of, oh, we're winning. Okay, I'll contribute to a winning team. Oh, we're terrible like we are now with a bunch of guys who probably should still be in college. I'm going to come off the bench and still give you 15 points and great effort. And the one thing I really like about him is it doesn't seem like the magic would be demanding a section or, uh, you know, even an Okoro. They, it it seems like they would be willing to give him up probably for cheap. And I think that that's the kind of move to me right now. I I think Karis Levert would be a great get if you can get him at the right price. Um, I don't know, you know, what the Pacers are truly expecting to get him or get for him. Mm-hmm. But I think Ross with the Magic could be a guy come in and be your veteran guy off the bench who's getting you points while you figure out what to do with Colin Sexton. Um, and if you, you know, because that's a deal that probably would not, if it would cost you Colin Sexton, then you don't trade for Terrence Ross. But sure, you know, um, that's a name that that's a name I've heard a little bit of. And uh, I, I, I think that the Cavs are going to be, uh, they keep being brought up as, as a strong suitor of Karis LeVert. So I think that they're going to be really in the mix for him come February 10th. Um, and I, I'm with you. I mean, if the guy stays healthy, he gives you that presence on the wing that I was talking about earlier, that this yeah. is a guy that can get you anywhere from from 16 to 26 points a game, and he can do it within the flow of things. He's not going to be selfish. He's not a great outside shooter, and that's okay. He's solid enough. He's got length. He's got height, and he, you know, he's used to not being the man, and, and that's really the kind of guy that you want. He wouldn't come here expecting to be the man. He would – he would come here expecting to, if I fit in with this team, this young team, really good things are going to happen for me individually. And um, I think that the Cavs will be in the mix. And I think that they, you know, to me, it's like first round pick. So what? Because you're not going to get a guy at 19 or say even 17 or 18 
most years, you're not going to get a guy in that range who is going to be immediately as good as Karis LeVert is now. You, you would have to wait around on that guy. You might even miss there. And if you miss at 17, people have to understand that's not a high lottery pick. That's a middle of the first round pick. That's always a crapshoot. You never know. So I'm okay with the Cavs moving that pick because they are about getting this young team in the playoffs, getting them some playoff experience, and then taking the next step. It's very rare for any team to go from what the Cavs were last year, which was what, 22 wins to NBA Finals contender. You have to go through the process. You have to take those steps. And the first step is getting in the playoffs, losing in the first round, or maybe winning a round, and then taking the next step to the next year and keeping it going, you know, and that's where the Cavs are now. They're they're done wanting to play the lottery. Karis LeVert's contract, I'm just looking at it right here. He's owed 17 and a half this year and 18.7 next year. Then he's an unrestricted free agent in 2023. Any team that trades for him, knowing that they'll have a year and a half worth of service for him before he can bolt, I gotta wonder, you may not be able to, you may be able to get away with not giving up a lot for him. Right. That's exactly it. And and you know, obviously they're they're looking to move him, which helps. You know, it's not it's not like you're going out and looking for a guy who the team is determined to keep him and you've got to you've got to really go all out to get him. Obviously, when it comes to any offer, whether it's Lavert or Eric Gordon or Buddy Heald, who's very available, by the way, mm-hmm. obviously, or you know, Harrison Barnes obviously is available too. Could he play at some shooting guard? I don't know. I, w- I would think that you could manage that. But um, any of those guys who are available, you, you, you can, you're really not battling them so much as what other teams are offering. Uh, that's your competition. That's, that's how the Kings or the Pacers or the, the Magic or the Rockets are going to decide who to trade these guys to. So, um, you know, and one thing we got to always remember, and whenever I talk to GMs around the league, they always remind me of this. Our priority usually is to get a third team involved to help facilitate a trade. Mm. So, so don't always think about, you know, well, we got to give up Sexton and Okoro or Sexton and a pick to get Levert. Sometimes you could give that pick or your player to a third team that would give the Pacers something that would send Levert here. Um, so, you know, a lot of times teams will try to get rope in a third team to, to, to make a deal work. So it's possible that, that the Cavs may be looking at something like that too. And if they do, you know, to me, I think right now we have to pretty much trust Kobe Altman knows what he's doing. I mean, yeah, the guy I mean, the guy just got extended. We didn't even talk about right. that. I mean, that right. happened a yeah, few days I mean, ago, but yeah. So, I mean, and that's that's a result of what he's done thus far, and um, you know, so I, I I think that he's a guy who, I mean, look, he traded a Cavs favorite, all time favorite, in Larry Nance Jr. Right, an Akron guy who's the son of a Cavs legend who got traded for, to Portland for Lori Markinen, you know, and, and it, it's, uh, it's worked out so far in the Cavs' favor. They're better at any point than they were 
you know, with Larry Nance Jr. on the team, with the exception of when LeBron James was here. And that's that's not yeah. a shot at Larry Nance Jr. It's just no. Kobe Altman's going to make a deal regardless of whether or not it's popular with the fans right away. Yeah. Uh, Buddy Heald is – it's funny. He kind of gets lost in basketball player lore here because he's in – you know, I, I call Sacramento, Minnesota, NBA, Siberia. <laughs> because like you know the the kings and timberwolves are just so bad um you know but you know he's he's had quite a career in terms of of scoring you know i mean the guy he's averaging what a a career average of 16 and a half or 16 points a game but i mean like you you wouldn't have you wouldn't think that looking at his numbers and i know his numbers have dropped over the last few years um, you know, he had a, f- a few good years, you know, he's been with Sacramento now, what, six years, I think he got drafted yeah. by the Pelicans, but, um, I mean, but what I, you forget, he's one of the best three point shooting players in the league. Well, they, when the Cavs played Sacramento the other night, they got a uh, first hand look at that. Uh, yeah, they did. He, he buried some, he buried some key, key threes there in the second half to, to put Sacramento back in it. Um, yeah, he's a player that I think would be a great fit. I really do. He's he's he'd probably fit better and have be better in Cleveland than he is in Sacramento, um, because he's a guy who again who you know you don't have to get twenty five points a game from him. He's yeah. he can spread the court. He can you know when you find him and he's open, you're going to have confidence that he's going to knock that down. Or even when he's pressured, sometimes he's he's a gamer and. Um, I just think that, you know, he needs a he needs a fresh start. He could use a, a place like Cleveland to play, where it's I don't have to score twenty five a game, but I I'm capable of it if it comes to it, and I'm going to get every opportunity to do that. So, you know, you always think about how well the players, not not just the, their style of play, how well they fit, but how well their mindset and their emotional makeup is going to fit. And he's a guy. Um, who's a, who's a pros pro who I think would be, would be a great fit again, if you can get him at the right price. And one thing that could hurt getting him at a, at a really good price versus Karis Levert in theory is that he's under contract for uh, an extra season. So in, like, if you get Karis Levert, you have him for a season and a half before he's a unrestricted free agent, Buddy healed. You have him for two and a half seasons then he becomes an unrestricted free agent when he's 31 at 20 in 2024, which, you know, is actually a really good time frame for the Cavs if you do make that move, because, you know, it's not a, a stopgap or a short term. You're, you're kind of in it for a medium stretch. Uh, you're hitting your your salary cap a little bit there with his money, but you're also, you know, eventually going to move away from Kevin Love's money. And it's really not going to be that big of a factor in terms of, of their his cap hit. but Again, you get a shooter in there, and you yeah. need someone that can score. I think he'd almost be better on paper than maybe Levert, just because of his, you know, perimeter shooting threat. Yeah, definitely. He is he uh, of the guys I mentioned. He has the best range. You know, maybe Eric Gordon could compete there, but Eric Gordon's obviously a little bit smaller, older, <clears throat> uh, has had kind of an injury history, um, but. Heald would be, you know, to me, the guy that um, he would he would spread the floor out of the names we're mentioning that, mm-hmm. that seem to be available. He'd be the guy that would spread the floor the most. Um, 
and he, he just has that kind of – I think he led the nation in scoring as a when he was a senior in college. So he's kind of got that scores mentality. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, you know, he can he can light it up fast. He can get you some buckets fast. So um, ideally, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. He would be a, a great fit with this organization right now. Two things before we wrap this episode up I wanted to touch on. One – Oh, we didn't really talk about Altman's getting hit, or I should say three things. Altman did get extended. Um, I believe this is his second extension, is it not, Sam? You know, I don't keep very good track of those, so I'll take your word for it. I I, I think I think so. I think since you know, you think about 2017. Yeah. 2017 was his first year when he took over for David Griffin. Um he may have he may have gotten a, an extension after that. Well, may, maybe I may be thinking of his second contract because prior to Altman, uh, it got a new contract. Got a new contract, or something. correct? Yeah, yeah. Prior, so it wasn't necessarily an extension. Yeah. yeah, prior to Altman, you know, as Dan Gilbert's been the owner of the Cavs, he has never given a second contract to any of his GMs. If you think about it, right? And now right. Altman's had what three? If you think about it, yeah, yeah. yeah so so yeah. that's that, that's an important piece there, and, and well deserved too, because he's hit on all of his draft picks where they were drafting and and JB. Yeah, and I said this last season when I was like, he may not keep his job. Mm-hmm. I I said he didn't. I didn't think that he really had committed any fireable offenses. Yeah, he hasn't. Because Okoro obviously hit on Sexton, uh, Garland. He he he's clearly hit on, and then. You know, last year it was too soon to say he didn't hit on Okoro. It was too early to say that. And then, obviously, you know, Mobley was a splash. Yeah. So, and then the trade, the trade involving Jared Allen, obviously a huge, huge, uh, was just was a hit for the Cavs. And then, and then, you know, Larry Nance Jr. Not a popular trade trading him, um, but you got that extra offense from Markin and. Um, and I, you got that length. Now yeah. you have your three seven footers. I, I, I think Kobe Altman absolutely um, has has done a has done a really good job. And the other two probably misses that that are strikes against him. Which, if you think about, it, you just named a bunch of pros. But the two cons, maybe the Kevin Love contract. Yeah, definitely. Uh, at the time, was probably you know I didn't like it, and we all have talked about it, and it, it turned out to be a bad move. Um, and maybe the handling of Kevin Porter Jr., even though we've seen him having little outbursts down in Houston, and so that really maybe not necessarily could be against him anymore. I know when they made that trade, all the fans were upset about it because of it. we just saw his talent and everything. And I think if this kid can get his you know, maturity and, and mental state together, he could be a force in this league if he, he's got all the talent in the world. So maybe now that might be unfair to say for Altman, he, he clearly made the right move looking back on it a year now to, to you know, jettison him down to Houston. Um, so, yeah, he, he deserves that contract extension for sure. And, and I hope Kevin Porter can get everything figured out because he is a, a, a great talent. Um, and I, I really hope he can, you know, uh, you know, get on the, on the right track. Uh, the other two things I want to talk about really quick before we wrap this episode up was we talked about the Cavs winning against uh, Brooklyn tonight. You know, that road trip, Sam, we haven't even talked about that five and one, 
you know, you, you beat Portland, you lose to Golden State, but then you rack up four wins against Sacramento, Utah, San Antonio, and Oklahoma City. I know the Thunder and Spurs aren't very good, but the Cavs came back from 18 points down against the Thunder. I mean, two, two areas, Utah, they hadn't won in, since, what, 2014? Portland always struggles there. Uh, Golden State, even though that they lost by 14 points, it still was a really competitive game. They were in all of those games, or they were in that game, and then obviously they won the other yeah. five. They haven't had a, um, a road trip like that out West Sam since LeBron's, what, 2016, I think I read somewhere? 2015. Um, 2015, January, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, January I mean, 15th through 21st or something of 20, 2016 or 2015, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that that, that is know, unbelievable. Well, and a lot of people will say, yeah, those teams didn't have, you know, like Portland didn't have, wasn't full, didn't have all their guys. Utah yeah. didn't have all their guys. Ingles got thrown out of that game. Here's what I always say to that. Any win on the road, I don't care if you beat, you know, if you go down to the G League and play the Mexico City captains or whatever, if you <laughs> win on the road in the NBA, that's a big deal. And to go five and one on the road, it's just so tough to win on the road in the NBA. And then what impressed me too, okay, you talk about that trip. Well, first of all, you came back down from 18 at Oklahoma City. You had a game that you weren't really that great. And you came back and won anyway on the road, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and, and then what really impressed me was we've seen it time and time again in the NBA, like I said, I've been doing this since 2007. It seems like every time the Cavs, even during the LeBron era, would come back from a road trip, that first game back at home, <laughs> Land they're eggs. dead tired, their legs are dead, they think we can take it easy because we're at home, and they end up losing that first game at home back from a road trip. And so I was equally impressed with them beating the Nets even without the ramp, but with Kyrie Irving and, and James Harden at home after that six game trip. So, you know, there's nothing that this team's doing right now that would surprise me. You know, if they were to Chicago Wednesday, I suspect logically having covered the NBA so much, well, the Cavs are due to lose. They're playing Chicago, who really needs a win to keep hold of that first spot in the Eastern Conference. Plus, they've lost, I think, four straight now. If you, and you and know, Zach Levine just got hurt, too. Yeah. Traditionally, you think that the Cavs are going to go there and, and lose because they're due to lose. Chicago's due to win. And the game's in Chicago. You just – but – the Cavs have every time I say something like that or think something like that, they they turn it on its ear. So um, that's what's impressed me about this team is every game they think we can win. We're going to win. And now we're all the rest of us are starting to believe them, you know, <laughs> like, you know what? They could win that game. So I, I think that's what's really impressed me about this season is they're yeah. turning logic and everything I've seen from covering the NBA, both good and bad of the Cavs. This team is the one that I've covered that I see can, can pull off the unlikely, like it's nothing. Yep. I agree. The second part that I wanted um, to talk about, talking about the trade people, trade potential, you know, Cavs or anybody, you laid a nugget a few weeks ago in the pod, Sam, that potential Boston Celtics trade 
maybe not necessarily the Cavs, but guys to keep your eyes and ears on, Jalen Smith or or Tatum. Any yeah, Jalen Brown. J- Jalen, yeah, I'm Jaylen sorry. Brown J- yeah, yeah Jalen Brown. Um uh, any any more swirling on that? Because the Celtics right now are are the would be the tenth like their tenth place in the Eastern Conference right now. So they're not look like they're not probably going to the playoffs. So, you know, would they potentially move, you know, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? Or, or you know, has keep, that cooled off? No, they keep saying they're not gonna, but um, if we're sitting here in three weeks of February 9th or 10th and they're in the same spot, which I suspect they will be, I don't see any reason to think this Celtics team is going to climb out of that other than the fact that they do have Brown and Tatum and they've been very good before. This this team, to me, just doesn't seem like a good fit, um, like all the pieces fit together. I suspect that they will explore trading those. Not not both, one or the other, probably Brown. Mm. Um, and, and, and I will say this, they won't move either of those guys unless they can move them and people will say, wow, wow, they, they really did something. If it were Danny Ainge running things there, mm-hmm. I would think they would be more prone to make that kind of wow move. Um, because Ainge, you know, had that nickname Trader Danny. That's just the kind of stuff he did. But I don't know if Brad Stevens is going to, you know, fall on that same. He seems he's got a more conservative personality than Danny Ainge. He seems to have a more conservative approach as a general manager. Do I think – I don't think they'll trade Tatum. Um, but I, I do think that that's a possibility to trade Brown. The Cavs aren't going to have enough to get him. Well, they would, but they don't want to give up what it takes to get him. But – Oh, right, right. Um, I agree. I could foresee him, the Celtics moving him out west somehow, uh, some way. But again, when you have a player like Jalen Brown that you're making available, you're basically asking another team to kind of break up their team for him. You know, and if you're, say, the Utah Jazz or the Phoenix Suns or the Warriors, you're not, you don't want to break up your team to get him. You want him. You want to add him without too much, you know, interference to to your success. So I don't suspect those guys will get moved this year, but I, I think in the offseason that there's a real possibility if the Utah Jazz say we've gone as far as we can go on with, say, Donovan Mitchell or somebody, um, then then maybe you'll see that those kind of big moves around the draft. But uh, I, I think that they'll explore it, but I, I – I, I'd be stunned if either of those guys got moved during the season. Yeah, I agree. I think they're too big of names. And I, I just think that's something that you kind of mull over and you really game plan ahead more into an off season type of thing than you do, you know, d- during or before a trade deadline, especially when you have a guy like Brad Stevens, who's still, yes, he's the former coach, but now he's, he's still new on the job of the player personnel in the front office, you know? So, uh, you know, t- to me, I would be shocked if they did get moved before, uh, you know, the, the or you know, at the deadline or whatever. I was just curious to see if there was any other movement there because you know, it, it's those two players would be phenomenal anywhere they go. I love both of yes. those guys' games. Yeah. Of course, they look great and you know, wine and gold. But Cavs have to give up a lot for them, and they're not going to do that. So, um, I think the Celtics I, are more likely to to move 
pieces around them to trade the pieces around them, maybe Marcus Smart, some other pieces yeah. than, than they would to give up either of those two right now. Yeah, and I agree with that too. So, man, it's interesting. We got three and a half weeks left until the NBA trade deadline. Sam, I know you're going to be hot and heavy and busy as ever. Um, rumors are going to continue to come out of nowhere and still, you know, Cavs fans are going to want to know what's going to happen. And, you know, um, they can all find some of those latest rumors and little nuggets about potential trades on your website at hoopswire.com. We're going to wrap this up here on Cavs and the Break NBA podcast right here on the Press Play Podcast Network. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you haven't hit that subscribe button on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you guys listen to podcasts, remember you can follow Sam at Amico Hoops on Twitter. Read him at hoopswire.com. Follow me at John underscore Sable. And of course, follow the pod on Twitter at Cavs on the break. Thanks for listening, everyone. Sam, it's been real, man. We'll talk again next week, hopefully talking more about another big Cavs win. I hope so too. And and um, it's been great talking to you, but now I need to get back to shoveling snow. So uh, appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, you probably got another foot since we uh, started this. <laughs> All right, man, stay warm, enjoy the snow. And as we do a lot here on Cavs in the Break NBA podcast, we hand it over to the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Breen. Take us out. Congratulations, Cleveland. Your decades-long wait is finally over. The Cavaliers are NBA champions.